Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. And so I want you to remember that question. Given all that God has done, the incredible, uh, miraculous things that God has done throughout history, what are we afraid of? His resume is flawless. He controls everything, and he loves you and me. Let's pray together. Oh, God, we thank you for your power, your goodness, your faithfulness. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love in our lives. And Father, today as we think about life with all of its challenges, as we think about the forces of evil that often overcome us, I pray that we grab hold again of the reality, of the truth that the one who lives in us the abiding presence of the Spirit of God is greater than the one who is in the world. And so, God, may we live with courage. May we not live with fear. May we trust you and may we submit our hearts and our wills to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. When I was a sophomore in college, I took two courses on Paul's epistles in the New Testament, one in the fall semester and one in the spring semester. We looked at different epistles in each of those courses. Ever since I took those courses as a 19-year-old ministry major, Paul's letter that we know as Ephesians has been my favorite epistle, my favorite letter in the New Testament. Now, this is going to date me just a bit, but I took those courses before the New International Version was released. In fact, before a number of uh, translations that we utilize today were released. And so we studied and we memorized from the book of Ephesians uh, from the King James translation. In fact, I memorized the entire letter. Uh, Six chapters, 155 verses. Please don't come up to me afterwards and ask me to recite those verses in the King James translation. Uh, Through the years, I have probably preached more sermons from the book of Ephesians than any other letter in the New Testament. And my appreciation for so many themes that Paul unfolds in that letter, my appreciation has deepened year after year. For example, Paul's emphasis on the grace of God. It is by grace you have been saved, Paul writes. And then just a couple of verses later, he affirms it again. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. His emphasis on unity in the body of Christ, even that challenge in chapter 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, the unity that the Spirit of God has created. His emphasis on the mission of God and the significant role that the church plays in honoring the mission of God in our world. And we've talked about some of that over the last couple of weeks. I did not reference chapter 2, verse 10 of Ephesians, and so grab hold of this text. Paul says, we are God's handiwork. Maybe more literally, we are God's masterpiece. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so those great themes 
that I continue to appreciate. But I've got to tell you, in more recent years, I've also grown to appreciate so much Paul's emphasis on prayer and Paul's emphasis on the presence of the Holy Spirit. Those themes play out again and again in the book of Ephesians and many times woven together, praying by the power of the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit. In fact, you may be aware of the fact that there are several rather lengthy prayers in the book of Ephesians, three in particular. In fact, in chapter 1, in that opening prayer, uh, after that prayer of thanksgiving uh, is, is drawing near to the close, Paul will say, I want you, again in prayer form, I want you to recognize that you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Uh, That emphasis that we talked about even last fall when we began studying the Holy Spirit together, that the Holy Spirit, in the midst of everything else we would say about the Spirit, is God's seal, God's mark of ownership on us. The Holy Spirit is a deposit, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit, God's deposit in our lives, guaranteeing our inheritance. And then these words in a second prayer, likewise in chapter 1, I pray, Paul says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that you may know his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. These words from chapter 3, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Again and again, that emphasis on prayer, that emphasis on the power of the Holy Spirit, to the point that at the end of chapter 4, Paul would say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for that day of redemption, alluding back to what he said in chapter 1. But do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And I wonder how many times we put up roadblocks, how many times we grieve the Spirit of God, how many times we quench the work of the Spirit. And then as Paul begins to draw this letter to a close in chapter 6, it's almost as if Paul is saying, to echo the words on the video a moment ago, it is almost as if Paul is saying, knowing, that, knowing, knowing everything that God has done, what we've been talking about for five and a half chapters now, knowing everything that God has done and knowing everything that God has promised, what are we afraid of? Because we stand firm by the power of God, by the power of the Spirit of God. And so this last challenge in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, finally he says, be strong in the Lord. Where? In the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Hear that. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, pause for just a moment. Throughout Paul's letters, he will use different words and images to describe spiritual warfare. But I find this phrase, in the heavenly realms, so fascinating. 
Uh, this phrase only occurs in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. Paul uses it five times in this letter. And in this fifth and final use of the phrase in chapter 6, he will remind us that there is a war going on. There is a battle going on. And it's not against flesh and blood. Rather, Paul says, we are engaged in spiritual warfare against the, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil, against the schemes of the devil. In all of the ways that Satan tries to destroy us, in all of the ways that Satan tries to defeat us, sin and temptation and illness and death and anxiety and depression, all of the ways that Satan attacks us. But Paul reminds us we are stronger. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. The armor of God again, not your armor. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, he says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then listen to the way he closes, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, as if to say, church, that's where the real battle takes place. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. In fact, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit when we face challenges, when we face temptations that may overwhelm us, when we struggle with addictions. And by the way, it's not just talking about those who might struggle with alcohol and drugs. If we're honest, we are all addicted to something. And so the question is, what are we addicted to? And are we willing to grab hold of the power of God to overcome? It could be a thousand and one different things. We may be addicted to pornography or sexual immorality or slander or greed or money and sometimes even to things that are good that we allow to become the gods of our lives, our jobs, success, exercise, sports, even our families. The presence and the power of the Holy Spirit when we struggle with addictions, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit when we battle physical illness and disease, when we face the reality of death, when we experience suffering, when we suffer for our faith. Paul would say, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Now, Paul writes that letter to the church in Ephesus. You may be aware of the fact that the young minister Timothy does ministry in the city of Ephesus. And so Paul will say to that young minister, for this reason, Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For listen, the Spirit of God did not give us, or the Spirit of God, uh, the Spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but rather gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And then the reminder in 1 John chapter 4, as the apostle talks about the challenges the world brings to our doorsteps, he reminds us the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. 
In this series, if you've been with us throughout it, we have affirmed that the Spirit-led church engages in exuberant worship, shows empathy to one another, engages our world, gives sacrificially, embraces the gifts of all believers, is empowered for the mission of God. You're going to continue to hear us talk about the Spirit of God in future studies, but as we close this particular series, again, that affirmation, the Spirit-led church engages in spiritual warfare. And it's more than just we engage in spiritual warfare. It's the fact that we are led by the Spirit of God as we do so. And so we do so with confidence because the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. Let me invite you to think about spiritual warfare from a couple of perspectives for a moment. One, We simply, and we've emphasized it today through song and through the words that Aaron spoke earlier, we need to give the Spirit of God room to work in our lives. We need to give the Spirit of God space to work in our lives, to change us, to transform us. And that only happens when we're willing to get rid of self. That only happens when we are willing to surrender. That's why you'll hear language throughout Paul's letters that talk about submitting to the Spirit of God, keeping in step with the Spirit of God, being led by the Spirit of God. Because you see, when we do that, when we submit our will to the will of God, then we're giving the Spirit of God room to work, or as Paul would put it in Galatians 5, room to grow the, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. How do we cope with all of those challenges that we alluded to a moment ago? The challenge of temptation, the challenge of dealing even with people. Whatever it is that we are addicted to, the challenge of sickness and death and anxiety and depression and heartache, how do we deal with all of those things, those forces that press against us, the schemes of the devil? that try to draw us away from God. How do we deal with all of that? Paul says we create space for the Spirit of God to be at work. We give the Spirit of God room to work in our lives and to encourage us in that direction, and Aaron alluded to it earlier as well. Our adult Bible classes are going to be focusing on spiritual disciplines during March, April, and May, and so I encourage you to be a part of that. And in fact, some of those practices, some of those disciplines that we'll explore are not just your typical spiritual disciplines, as important as prayer and fasting and study may be. We're also going to talk about the importance of solitude, the importance of unplugging from our world. And so each week, in fact, there will be a booklet you'll receive as a part of those adult studies. Each week, you'll be challenged to reflect upon particular verses in Scripture, particular thoughts, and then you'll be challenged to actually engage in some practices that will create space in your life, in my life, for the Spirit of God to be at work. And then following that, our adult classes are going to study the fruit of the Spirit this summer. Again, being immersed, being filled by the Spirit of God, and at the root of it all is we create space, we surrender. Don't quench the Spirit, don't put out the Spirit's fire, but rather surrender. The other side of the coin is the determination we make, a determination of heart and mind and body to put on the full armor of God, a determination of heart and body and mind to pray fervently, to pray in the power of the Spirit, believing, and hear me carefully, believing that the Spirit of God has the power to rescue us from our addictions, the power to bring physical and spiritual and emotional healing, the power to quench every fiery dart of the evil one, the power to overcome every scheme of the devil, 
the power to bring peace to our lives in the midst of every storm that we might ever face. It's recognizing the power of prayer and the power of the Spirit. And recognizing as we pray that it's more than just us voicing our request to God for ourselves or for others, but also creating space for God to speak to us. And so being silent, listening for the voice of God, being responsive to the leadings of the Spirit, to the nudges of the Spirit of God. And as we pray, as we submit to the Spirit of God, I believe that we will see God do more and more incredible, miraculous things in our midst, that we will see folks who are released from the power of those addictions. We'll see broken relationships that are restored, troubled marriages that are healed, physical healing take place that can only be explained by the power of God. And through all of those moments, a peace that passes all of our human understanding. In fact, the promise of peace in the little epistle we know as Philippians, follows these words. Paul says, I want you to know that the Lord is near. And as you read that text, it's more than just, well, he's coming again one of these days. It is Paul saying, I want you to know the Lord is near. He is present in your life right now. And so don't be anxious about anything. It's easy for me to say that at one level, don't be anxious. But you see, Paul has bracketed it with this idea of the Lord's present. The Lord is near. And because of the presence of the Spirit, there is no reason to fear. There is no reason to be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And he says the promise is the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is a peace that I believe the world needs to see desperately and a peace that the world will only see when God's people embrace it by submitting to the Spirit of God. Remember, the one who is in us is greater than the one who's in the world. And so I want us to close this series by hearing another story, another testimony from one of our brothers who has walked through numerous challenges in his life, but who, like I pray, we're all learning who has learned what it means to trust in the power of the Spirit of God. Would you turn your attention to the screens? Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, this is Randy Christian, and uh, my wife and I, Margaret, we've been going here to Monterey for 18 years. The boss told me that exact number, so Margaret knew that number. But uh, it's been a great, uh, a great place for us to grow. I had an advertising agency for more than 30 years, so uh, very successful. And then after that, I worked... Uh, for the McGavick Auto Group, and I'm also a Lubbock City Councilman. If somebody walks up to me and says, uh, well, Councilman, I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> I, I, I know that we're gonna have a, I better get a chair and we're gonna have a chat. Uh, but then also, um, on my latest uh, in, uh, journey, an interesting journey, is a third time as a cancer patient. But uh, my spiritual journey has really taken a, a, a really deep, and more meaningful uh, time for me, and especially the last couple of years. And uh, uh, God has uh, put me in places that I never dreamed I would be. And, and I look back and, and I can even remember and, and, and see some things in my life where that the Holy Spirit was very much involved uh, 
but I was too, too dumb to know it at the time. Uh, but hopefully I, I do know a little bit better now. So the Holy Spirit has definitely worked in my life and, and I call on the Holy Spirit every day uh, for guidance and wisdom. Randy, you mentioned at the close that you call on the Holy Spirit every day. You call on the power of God every day. And yet, uh, like most of us, you also mentioned looking back on your life, there are moments where the Spirit was obviously present and maybe you didn't even notice. And so, uh, cast big picture for us, part of your journey and, and where you'd like to take us with that. Well, as I, I told you when we uh, met earlier this week, that when you have your second battle with cancer in, a two, in less than two years, you come, become very reflective. And so I thought back to even to the earliest times. Oh, by the way, before we start, I'm going to give permission to everybody to uh, uh, get their phone and look up the 12 steps of AA. That'll make sense in a, there, there as, we, as we conclude this. Uh, I, I can remember very few uh, times that we went to, that my parents took me to church. Fortunately, I, I had, uh, but the church was not too far away from where I lived. And, uh, and so I got started going to church really with the uh, vacation Bible schools. And as we talked about, I can remember vividly those times that uh, uh, baby Jesus would fall off the felt storyboard and, you know, the, the teacher would try slamming, slamming those uh, characters on the felt storyboard and they kept falling off. But, they, but that's, that's kind of where my journey started. And, uh, and I went uh, pretty much by myself uh, to church for a, a long time when I was a kid. And, uh, but I went to, I grew up in Amarillo, uh, lived, born in Dalhart, just to give you a little background. And I went to, graduated from Tasco's High School and went to Amarillo College for a couple of years and, and looked back on some things that I know that, that the Holy Spirit led me in different ways. And one of those ways that I didn't wind up at Texas Tech because they wouldn't transfer some of my credits, but I went to a University of North Texas and I had a great experience there. And, and, uh, but got to, and then the Holy Spirit just brought these different people in my life that had such a major impact on, on where I am today and what I'm, what I'm doing. And then came to Lubbock in uh, 1977, and not long after that, I, I met a, a, the Holy Spirit, I really believe, led me to a young lady that, named Margaret, who was, uh, her family was an incredible, uh, incredible family that uh, her dad was the, uh, the elder at the, uh, church in Georgetown for more than 30 years and had a major impact on my life, one of the finest Christian men I'll ever, 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 ever know. But really, the things as far as my, and, and you know, I was fat and happy and, you know, had good things and really didn't have, I went to church, but as far as my spiritual life and my, in my walk with the Holy Spirit, it changed a lot. Uh, when in uh, November 10th, 1988, I had my first battle with cancer. Um, Philip was eight months old and Peter was three and a half. Mm. Got through that. And then on April 10th of 2018, when I had the next battle. And that walk with my Holy Spirit became much deeper and wider of all places on the radiation table at Joe Arrington Cancer Center. Mm. Monday through Friday, I would go in for radiation and lay there, and it would just be me, the machine, and God. Those 8 to 12 minutes during the radiation became my time when I talked to the Holy Spirit. And it really kind of helped, in my odd way, it really helped me define a little bit the difference between, for me, 
prayer, because prayer sometimes I think is an outward mm-hmm. process. You're praying for somebody else. You're praying for your neighbors, your friends, for, for different things. But the conversations with the Holy Spirit for me became much deeper and wider at that time. Like you said earlier, we talked and mm-hmm. I listened. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do a whole lot of talking, but I did a whole lot of listening. So that's when I really, really thought about, and I was so excited about this series, about the idea of really pressing in and thinking more deeply about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And didn't know that we were going to start the service today with that quiet time. Yeah. That's important to me. It's got to be that quiet time. We've got to remove the chaos, remove the noise, and, and really have that conversation like I did when I was on that radiation table for uh, six weeks, five days a week, and mm. it was just me, as I said, me, the machine, and, and the Holy Spirit asking, what do you want me to do? Yeah. What do you want me to do? And I think the Holy Spirit led me to being on account the council. The Holy Spirit gave me a platform to talk about things that that would help make us this community better, but also things that are important to me, like getting people to think about their own health, taking charge of, of, uh, of whatever health ailment they have, uh, being the addiction recovery symposium that we put on a, a while back, which was just an incredibly spirit-filled day. And then, of course, he guided me on my duties as a councilman during the tragedy when we lost our, our first responders a while back. He, uh, he guided me with some words and thoughts on some, some events that I was asked to speak to, and those words weren't mine. Mm. They were guided by the Holy Spirit. There's no question about it. Um, so every, every council meeting, it's also interesting that when we have our invocation, I also ask the Holy Spirit to fill me up, mm. to fill my body and my mind and my spirit in, or with his spirit because I jokingly say I'm always about a quart low <laughs> but that, that's kind of where I've been and where I've come and so I know there's some other things we talked about and, and, and uh, what, 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 what I really appreciate about Randy and he and I've had the chance to talk several times in recent weeks again this, this past week as Randy mentioned and he alluded to uh, kind of that turning point where you're laying there and the radiation therapy is going on. And I wonder for all of us what it would take for us to truly be quiet and to listen. Hopefully it's not cancer. That yeah, Well, but, it's hopefully. But that's the journey you've traveled. And then certainly moments in your life where, uh, as you worded it a moment ago, uh, it, it wasn't your words. It was the Spirit of God working through you, whether it's at the Addiction and Recovery Symposium or words that you spoke at that candlelight service for first responders. Uh, if you were speaking a word uh, of advice or encouragement to these folks, what would you want to say today? Like any relationship, it takes work. Like any relationship between friends and family, it, it takes a lot of work. And, and it has to be a, a constant thing. And I know I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak, and I have some, I'm so much less of a... Christian, so to speak, than a lot of people that I know that are in this audience, but find that time every day, that quiet time, uh, wherever it might be, mm. and sometimes it even might be windshield time, yeah. 
But don't, make sure it's not distracted driving, yeah, please. Don't, don't close your eyes. Well, no, no, yeah. no, 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 because one of the things that, uh, and this happened just recently, I had to go to Amarillo for some, uh, for, uh, some business, and, and it was a beautiful, blue-skied West Texas day with puffy clouds, and I was just thinking about God's all around me. God's all around me. So we, that, that windshield time, when I, and, and when I purposely ask and try for certain things that have come into my life, I really ask for guidance. I, I purposely, I, I ask for that guidance and ask the Holy Spirit to fill me up. But I tell you what, the, the thing that really was a turning point, uh, and not to kind of getting away from your question, but one of the things I would suggest is when I told everybody to open up their, their phones and look at the, the, mm-hmm. the 12 steps of, of AA, I think that that was a very much of a turning point for me as well when we became very involved with the addiction recovery uh, community, not only here but citywide, is that, as you said earlier, that we're all addicted to something that yeah. pulls us away from friends and family and faith and, and those things that God wants to fill us up, that God wants us to be that salt and light in our communities. So whenever we were part of that, and, and, and we, as some of you may know, we're very proud of our youngest son who's been very clean and sober for a number of years and has his master's, uh, has his, uh, he's a proud Red Raider and has his undergraduate and his graduate degree from Texas Tech. But because of that, I started re- studying the 12 steps. All of us can benefit from the 12 steps regardless because we all are addicted to something. Mm-hmm. And I point out, I think it's 12, uh, step 3, 11, and 12. If you don't read any of those, read those, th- read those three because the number three told you turn your will over to God. You can't make it happen unless you purposely and, and mindfully turn your will over to God. And through that, that part of our lives, that's where I really started being very conscious of that. And that was even before the time on the radiation table. Mm-hmm. So it was a progression of understanding that it's not my will, it's his will. And if I understand that, my will and my purpose will be led, I will be led by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I will be admit, like a lot of us, you know, I asked for him to fill me with the Holy Spirit and, and uh Sometimes it takes, but my will uh, tends to fight that on occasion yep. too. So it's a it's a constant battle, like you said, to, of of, uh, of of wills of this will, this earthly will that we have. That's just a part of who we are and how we've been created. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that with with God's will is within us, and we ask Him to fill. Literally, I, I say those words specifically. Mm-hmm. Please fill me up with Your will. Amen. Amen. As Randy mentioned, uh, he is walking through a third battle with cancer. He and Margaret go to Houston periodically for treatments, and we're going to close today. Margaret, if you'll come ahead and join us, and uh, anyone else who'd like to come and surround Randy and Margaret, we're just going to pray that God will continue to walk with them through this journey. So others of you who'd like to come, and let's surround them and pray over them. on the stage is good. And following, following our time together in prayer, we're going to sing again. And as we sing, if there are ways that uh, this church can pray over you or bless you, we would invite you to come. A couple of our shepherds will be at the front. Let's pray together for Randy and Margaret.
Uh, Father, I thank you this morning for uh, uh, words that Randy has spoken to us, uh, reminding us that we're all on the same journey and reminding us of how very, very important it is for us to submit. Uh, Help us, God, to get our will out of the way and to surrender to your will and to the presence and the power of the Spirit in in our lives. And Father, we acknowledge today it is a journey, and there are different chapters in that journey, and there are struggles in that journey. Uh, But I pray, God, that we uh, discover again and again the peace that you bring when we submit to you. Uh, We lift Randy and Margaret before you as they uh, uh, go periodically back to Houston for additional treatments. We pray for that whole process, but above everything, God, we place Randy into your hands asking you to bring complete healing to his body. And we pray you will continue to use him and Margaret Uh, in the testimony they're able to share with this community and with our world of how good and gracious and powerful you are. And so we lift them before you today, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together, please.